0: This is the Straight Up Breakdown podcast exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You are. I think I'm getting my second win for the second half of this crazy month after the dead period was lifted, friend. Um, it has been a busy, busy time. Uh, today, I am joined by another special guest, uh, sporting news national college football writer Bill Bender. Uh, Bill, thanks for being on the show. How are you, man?
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Um, as you said, I think. The tone of this offseason a little bit different. We are uh, getting into, a, I guess, a sense of normalcy. You know, we're not worried about if COVID's going to cancel games or not fill stadiums. We're, it, it, it's almost different, Greg, looking at, oh, I'm just breaking down conferences and bull projections and quarterbacks and everything that goes with it. And, of course, last week, and I know we're going to talk about it, we got that first major talking point of the offseason.
0: Yeah, that almost, you know what, it was, when that all dropped, um, it kind of hit and then it, it sent everybody into a little bit of scramble and there was so much to dissect, but you're right, it almost felt like, hey, this is like a return a return to the normal, like kind of off-season college football cadence, right? Like we, we've wrapped up with spring ball. We're into like summer conditioning. For me, we're deep into recruiting because the dead period got lifted and everybody's taking official visits and camps um, and hosting camps all over the place, right? So that's been a lot of fun to track down. Um, but you also end up then having um, big news that drops and it, and it definitely dropped with the potential expansion of the college football playoff. And that is where we're going to start it the majority of our time today, but as you guys know, each week we have um, kind of our pet segments, Um, and our first one uh, that's a mainstay of the show is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach player or a talking head said, and then then we give you the straight-up breakdown of what they meant. Coach, speak to real talk. Uh, This week, uh, the quote comes from Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, who had this to say uh, when asked about the potential college football playoff expansion as it relates to Notre Dame, quote, I look forward to never hearing again about how we played one last game or didn't have a conference championship. So, Bill, what did he mean?
1: <laughs> he means we, can, we made our concession by not getting a first-round bye and don't ever talk to me again. And if we want to stay independent, this is what we're going to do. And he was – you know, I wrote that story last week. I asked him the question later about what went into that process, and he said the trade-off was – that, yeah, Alabama and Oklahoma have to put something on the line on conference championship weekend. Notre Dame doesn't, but Notre Dame still plays a tough schedule. If you look at their schedule for this year, the only ACC-ranked team they'll be playing is North Carolina. At least that'll be in preseason pools. Yeah. They still play Cincinnati and USC and Stanford and Wisconsin. So their schedule's always good enough, in my opinion, to warrant a playoff berth. I think the one thing that they are conceding that I am a little bit surprised is that Notre Dame made the field of four twice in the last seven years. So for them to say, okay, we're we're happy, we're good with being the five seed, it's a bit of a surprise knowing that program and how much they look at that independent status as a badge of honor. And it also could be something that pushes them eventually into the ACC. I liked the experiment last year. It was cool to watch. And I think it's something that that program will have to weigh down the line.
0: Yeah. I thought that I, I'm totally with you. I thought that it, I, I, my first reaction was that I was surprised after reading your story that it, they made that concession that they said, okay, listen, um, we understand that those schools have to put something on the line and we'll go ahead and take the concession of not being able to get a top four seed. I, I don't know what would have potentially changed that line of thinking. You know, you sometimes think, well, OK, never, Notre Dame's a heavyweight. They can throw their weight around a little bit and say, no, we're not really on board if this is the way we're going to do it. Um, especially with them having recent history of having been participating in the college football playoff, that it did kind of surprise me. I I do agree with your larger point that, listen, if you look and break down their schedules every year, they play a good enough schedule to if they're, you know, one loss or undefeated, especially to then have be included in the college football playoff. But I feel like that's never the discussion when we're talking about Notre Dame. I think you're either you're in one of two camps when it comes to Notre Dame and anything that has to do with college football playoff or accolades or anything. You either want them to join a conference or you don't. Like, it's one of those things where that's basically, because honestly, all the discussion I saw around it was not anything to do with their schedule and how tough their schedules are that they play, because they are, I agree, they are good. It's just that people feel like Notre Dame should join a conference to be included in so many of these things, but there's two sides to that as well.
1: Totally agree, and it's one of those deals where you have to be able to accept both sides of it. I I look at Notre Dame independently as a program. I think they're an elite program right now that's outside the top three. The truly elite programs are Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Everybody knows that. And that's why this 12-team thing happened. And it has been happening, as they said, as secretly for two years, basically. But if you look in that three-year period, Notre Dame's played record-wise as good as Oklahoma, as good as Georgia, as good as um, – those type programs that are that next year and that's why I like I said I was surprised because people have their polarizing views on Notre Dame I still think they're one of the most polarizing programs in college football if not the most one then there were people that wanted to see them fall flat on their face last year but for them to beat Clemson in the regular season split with them they weren't on Alabama's level but Nobody was, was. and I think Brian Kelly has actually done a pretty good job of learning from the beatdown, so to speak. We all tweet and write, you know, Notre Dame got crushed, and I get that, but I do believe that program has gotten better since the first one, and the first one would be when Alabama beat them in the BCS championship game, where that was total annihilation probably from the first 10 snaps in.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because it's one of the things that I sometimes tell people here about um, Nebraska in that I think that Notre Dame is kind of an example of what you, A, you hope that Nebraska can currently turn into, um, which people don't want to hear here, sorry guys, but also that – but but what they did and what Brian Kelly has learned along the way and the adjustments that they've made within the program, the adjustments that they've made to their recruiting, like I think that those are all examples – Of What can happen when you go through some hardships, you really like people give lip service to really take like putting the program under the microscope and really looking at things but how many coaches you've seen this how many coaches actually do that, and really actually take the time to do it and say what I came here thinking that would be successful might not actually work. And this needs to change. Not very many like big time head coaches are willing to do that. And I think that that's something that a lot of programs, namely Nebraska, could definitely learn from.
1: Let's break that down. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing out of his mouth after they lost Alabama was – well, we all knew they just didn't have the firepower on the perimeter. They didn't have guys that could cover Devontae Smith and um, Mechie. And had Jalen Waddle played in that game, it would have been even worse. And they didn't have a Najee Harris in the backfield. But I think Notre Dame has done a good job. They always do a good job at offensive line. yeah. And they always do a pretty good job having a sound defense. I mean, they've got one of the best players in the country this year in Kyle Hamilton. He's one of the best safeties in the country. That's what they're trying to get. So I think it's the same thing they're going to have to do at places like Nebraska and Michigan and, and these programs that when they get in those games, they wonder, well, why did we get you know, run off the field? Well, some of it's blue-chip five-star talent, and one of the things that the 12-team playoff is not going to change is that Alabama still develops talent first-round NFL talent better than anybody. Ohio State's right there with them. They take four- and five-star recruits. They go for three years, and then they go to the NFL. And, I, you know, you, you deal with recruiting more than I do, so you probably speak to this better than I do. But it's always been my belief that a, a recruit can tell you, oh, I love the fight song, and I love the campus, and I love this. But what they really love is getting a, giving Roger Goodell a hug as a first-round pick and getting the life-changing money that comes with that and being developed at that level. And those two programs do that better than anybody. That's not going to change if they have 16 or 20 teams.
0: Yes. um, And guys, yeah, no matter what guys tell you, uh, being able to go to the NFL is a huge, huge selling point. Um, And there are any number of reasons of why guys say that they pick schools. But that's, I think at this point, overwhelmingly number one. Um, but I think that there's a little wrinkle in there and that you hear this sometimes from fans of schools that don't get all of those blue chip players, right? They're like, hey, why would you want to go to Alabama and, you know, sit for a little bit before you're going to really have your shot? Well, you can come to our school, School X, and you could play right away. Well, here's the thing. If that that five-star, let's pick, let's just say the number one cornerback in the country this year. Let's say I think I actually think he's going to Ohio State. It's probably Ohio State or Alabama. And he's he knows that hey, maybe I won't start as a true freshman at one of those schools. But I just saw a handful of guys that were rated just like me, shaking Roger Goodell's hand and dapping him up, giving him the bro hug. For now, all of my formative years, that's what I've seen. I know about all the guys that Ohio State's put in the league. I know about how Alabama's put guys in the league. And so they've got a formula that's tried and true. And, oh, by the way, while I'm waiting for that formula to get around to me and for me to get my chance, we're going to win a whole bunch. Think about the rate at which Alabama wins SEC and national championships. So I know I'm doing – we're going to win and be successful as a team as well. So that also makes you a lot more willing to wait um,
1: when it comes to your turn as well. Well, I think some good examples for Alabama. Quinn and Williams was one where – I don't know if I was sitting next to you and we, one of our championship road trips, it was either you or maybe been Ralph Russo. And I just remember thinking, I was talking, we were talking about Alabama and I, Quinn and Williams happened in one year. None of us were writing about Quinn and Williams no. at, at that time of year. And Alabama is good for two or three of those guys a year where we're like, Oh, that guy. And then, then suddenly he's the one of the best players in the country. They do that very well. High state. Um, well, I'm around it more, so it's a little less of a surprise to me when a guy comes out, no, that, this guy's a first-round player now. And I think that's one of the, th- the reasons why this sport has gone stale. I, I could give you an early spoiler. Our bowl projections are coming out next Monday, and I bet, Greg, that you could pick my four-playoff team <laughs> for me because yeah. it's, it's crazy to me that Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma – Georgia and Notre Dame have combined for 23 of the 28 playoff appearances. I don't think – and I do know that you and I were at the first semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Yep. So I don't think either one of us that day – because I think we took the bus right over. I don't think either one of us thought on that day when you had Florida State, Oregon, Ohio State, Alabama, that three schools were going to dominate this thing for seven years. We probably Mm -hmm. could have said, oh, Alabama's going to be in there." Most of the time, but I don't think either one of us had any idea that it would become just four teams every year.
0: No, I don't think that that was a a real thought thinking back to when they first did that, especially when we went to that game, like I don't uncovered it. Like, I don't think that that was something that I would have thought at all, that it would be dominated by the same couple of schools. And that really here recently, like it feels like we're just on the train to Clemson versus Alabama. I am just generally, I am a fan of seeing like repeated excellence. I know how hard that is for those guys to do and continue to do that. So I give them all the credit in the world. Um, But I also completely understand the fans um, and just people in general out there, pundits, whatever, that are saying, okay, this is getting a little stale and something has to be done. And there have been all sorts of different things. And I actually, I had someone ask me, um, in one of our Hill Varsity mailbags just a, a week or so ago about like, could they put, could the NCAA put something in place where like you only have like one five-star recruit per school or something like that. And, you know, eventually my answer was, is, Hey, I think that that honestly hurts the kids. I think that that punishes them unfairly um, mm-hmm. for that. And so I wasn't on board with that. And that was obviously before then we got this news about the the playoff expansion. I think that this is really the only hope that the sport has I don't know that you're going to get a ton of, you know, if Alabama matches up with Iowa State after Alabama gets that buy, that Alabama is going to be getting upset a whole bunch. But I do think that it at least provides that intrigue. And that's kind of where I want to go now. What did you think when you first saw this or got wind of this? What were your thoughts on the 12 number? What and what did you think about the buys as well?
1: Okay, so when Pete Thamel's report ran last week, my initial knee-jerk reaction was, this is dumb, why would you go to 12? You know, most people, we've been talking about eight for so long. I, I do think in any given year, in my opinion, in college football, only five or six teams are truly able to win a national championship. The number in the NFL is higher to me every year. I think when you get into the NFL playoffs, there's probably i trying to think, last year, you know, with the 14-team format, there were at least seven teams, I think, that could have won the Super Bowl last year. I mean, I would have gone, what, Kansas City? I don't have to list them all off. Kansas City, Cleveland, Buffalo, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Saints. That's at least six. Yeah, I was, um, I was
0: thinking half. Yeah.
1: yeah, so half of the playoff field can win it. Can half of the 12-team playoff win and half of the 12-team playoff field in college football truly win it? I would say probably not. Um, and that's one of my things with it. Now, if you had eight, at least half of the field could win it, I think, most years. Um, and, and, there's, of course, there's years like last year where Alabama just says, no, thank you to everybody. Um, you're not going to beat us, and that's the way it is. But that's college football. So my, it's a long-winded way of saying I. when I put up a Twitter poll last week, 53% per- of the people that voted on it said eight is the best number. So that's why I was shocked with that. But then you start to look at it and how they planned it out and how they designed it, and I'm slowly coming around. I think it is more inclusive. It gives the group of – it gives nobody an argument. I guess one of the things it does, it gives nobody an argument to say we should be in. Because if you're 13, I'm sorry. I mean – Right, at
0: that point, we got to just say, okay,
1: you you didn't deserve to be (laughs) in. Yeah, like it's kind of like NCAA basketball with the bubble talk. Because, like, if you're the 69th team best – best team in the country you you did something to put yourself in that position so um i think that it's the most inclusive model yet which is good i like the on-campus part but i don't understand what the buys why they wouldn't put the first the quarterfinals essentially on campus too it's a great opportunity for college football you know you, you we've talked about that before i mean you imagine auburn or lsu coming up to lincoln for a quarterfinal people it'd be one of the most memorable sporting events ever it would be like those september games that we get so i like that um and i think just in general the the setup's not bad but uh, like i keep telling the other thing it's going to change how we all watch the regular season it's there's not one singular game that matters more than anything else anymore and that's something, and that's a trade-off. College football fans will have to do. I mean, you and I always go back and forth about the Bears and the Packers. There's never when the Bears, well, when the Packers beat the Bears in the regular <laughs> season, we don't. It just it's another game. Now, if it's for a playoff seed or that kind of, they played late last season. If the Bears won that game, I wouldn't have been. I'd been like, okay, but it would have cost the Packers a one seed. It wouldn't cost them a Super Bowl appearance.
0: Yeah, and I think that I, I kind of go back – I've gone back and forth on that particular point on whether or not I think that it really will fundamentally change the regular season for me. I think it will in some ways. I do think I agree with you that, you know, maybe that early season Oklahoma versus Iowa State game isn't quite the end-all, be-all anymore, but those later season games – become even more important I think that the honestly I think the big winner in this um is conference championship games I think that now like I like some of those SEC championship games where you know that Alabama is going to win and it's just how much are they going to win by like I think that some of the that gets a layer of added drama I think that the example here closer to home where you know Ohio State is playing Northwestern and if Northwestern wins, they get an automatic shot into the playoff, even if they have three or four losses versus if, you know, Ohio State, if they would like, it just, you know, I think that totally changes the the thinking on that. And I also think the one other thing that I think will start to happen is think about like coastal Carolina last year. Um, Cincinnati has been in this situation as well. UCF obviously was a couple of years ago, a few years ago now too. I think more people will pay attention to their games as they build up steam throughout the season because now they could be included in the playoff. So you have more incentive to either watch them because maybe your team faces off with them or even just because you might see them later on down the road. So maybe you want to see, you know, be familiar with what you're going
1: to see later on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that that's definitely something that's going to change. I mean, one of the things I'm writing about for us this week is it's funny you mentioned uh, Northwestern. So the 12-team playoff going to benefit programs like Wisconsin. And I went back and looked. So, like, Wisconsin would have – if the 14-playoff started as the 12-team playoff, essentially, if this format was going from 2014 t- on, Penn State would have been in the playoff four times. Wisconsin would have been in the playoff three times. Michigan with Jim Harbaugh would have been in the playoff twice. And I think that's another hidden – thing we're going to see happen is the coaching hot seat talk's going to change yep absolutely because it's like I was trying to think of a good example from basketball this morning in our morning meeting well you know like Mick Cronin goes to a final four mm-hmm. as a I think they were 11 or 12 last year now he's set for a while at UCLA that's a really great season A <laughs> right. 16 run is that so when you say, OK, well, he got us to the playoff, that's doing your job now in some ways. So I think hot seats will change. I think there'll be fewer coaching changes. On yeah, any given I, I
0: agree with that because I, I was thinking that, too. And it goes back to kind of your NFL example, too, because, you know, in the, play, in the playoffs, in the NFL, excuse me, like making the playoffs is a big deal like you want to make it um, to give yourself a shot at the Super Bowl but that is held up as a big thing for for coaches when you're talking about well how good has this coach really been during his tenure at at our uh, in our program and I think that that same thing will happen in college football it makes that's all a little bit of an argument on social media about you know oh well, this it kind of rewards mediocrity I don't know if it does that I think that at some point, too, you do have to get off of the revolving door of coaches knowing that if only four schools are going to make the playoff and you basically two of the spots for sure are essentially gone because Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, two of those three are basically going to make it every year um then how difficult or how easy is it really to make those playoffs and get that on your resume I do think that it will have a huge impact on you know the coaching profession and just how we think about hot seats because you can now have if you're even though Pat Fitzgerald isn't a isn't a great example because he's, he's a made man up there in Evanston anyway kind of think of who would be a really good example In the Big Ten, maybe James Franklin, because at this point, um, coming out of the East, like if they find a way, even if like, let's say the roles were reversed and Iowa is 12-0 and and they're facing off against Penn State, who's got four losses, but somehow made um, the Big Ten championship because Ohio State um, stopped playing football, let's just go with me for this, then they win that um, conference championship at Penn state, even though they have four losses, that's a huge boost for his tenure, right? Like, can you, sure. you could be able to find that around? Like, think about, I wonder when you look at this and I don't want to give you homework here for your article, but I would be curious to know how many times then Clay Helton and USC would have made the playoffs. Well, I have scenario? an answer for you. Cause I already, there would change what you did. think about him. Okay. No, I,
1: I've done this. Okay. So I'm going to tease this article. I think, because um, we're probably going to run it today, I hope. The coaches that would definitely be looked at differently right now are Jim Harbaugh and Clay Helton, without question, because all of Jim Harbaugh's career has been tied to Ohio State. Right, it's well, the only thing we think if, about. <laughs> what if he gets outside of that in 16 after the spot, and they go on a run, which was entirely possible? What if Clay Helton, those two years with Darnold, you're in the playoff instead of a New Year's Day six bowl? Maybe USC's recruiting takes off a little more, a little faster. Um, two of the coaches that stand out as well—I mean, Scott Frost is one. What would guys like? I'm not Frost is a bad example because he went to Nebraska. Would Tom Herman have stayed at Houston? Yeah. I mean, would and probably not because the money talks. Would Chris right. Peterson still be at Washington with three playoff appearances? Would he have said, "Well, I'm not going to retire"? Would Jimbo Fisher still be at Florida State? I mean those are real questions now and I think it will slow because of what the defi- the definition of success will be making the playoffs. And yeah, playoff coaches get fired in the NFL all the time. I get that. But it's slower to happen, I think. You know, certain, you know, you look at I hate to keep picking on the Bears. Like Matt Nagy makes the playoffs this year, he's going to keep his job. Right. You know, it's really hard to fire those coaches. And I think colleges with the money involved because it's so much more will uh, definitely take a look at that. And it's you know
0: what? The other thing about college, too, is is if a if one of those coaches, if Clay, let's say Clay Helton is a, it's a good example here. He makes a couple of those playoffs. He's also able to go to USC brass and say, well, there would be no reason to move on from me because I'm doing something very well. We're going in the right direction. Maybe we've got to take that next step. Versus if if you're if you bring it back to what's happening with them currently or had been happening with them previously, um, then he doesn't have that same leg to stand on. So right. I, I think that that's a being able to demonstrate that we have things going in the direction that we need to be. Um, and in your Jim Harbaugh example, what's really interesting about that is what if it really is that in this is kind of bearing out because the record against Ohio State versus everybody else, then it just turns out they can't beat Ohio state and then they go into the playoff and they win a game and can get to like the quarterfinals. You know what I mean? Like it could be more than Harbaugh, like just getting there. They may be able to win a game because they've had some good teams um, in there as well. They've been flawed, but they've been good in Ohio state. It's just been a buzzsaw. Like it's just right.
1: And that's what I'll, and that could change. And then that's how you get under the recruiting part where maybe what, Penn State's doing. I mean, coming off four straight playoff appearances, maybe the recruiting at Penn State's better. Maybe Georgia's looked at as a little bit differently. I think that's a not a perfect example, but Kirby would have four playoff appearances in this format. He has one now. And what do we talk about with Georgia because of a national championship drought that extends all the way back to 1980 is that's all we talk about. Can Georgia win at all? And maybe they somehow duck Alabama one of those years and, and get in. I mean, it's all tied together. So I think those are some of the things that will change and in, in a good way
0: yeah absolutely now every week we end the show with a segment my favorite segment of the week uh, called put them on blast where we basically put someone on blast or something that they did or said put them on blast now I'm going to go first on this one today I'm going to actually go with Nike Now I don't know if you guys saw this maybe it was a week or so ago um, where Vanessa Bryant um, the wife, the widow of um, late great Kobe Bryant came out and kind of blasted Nike um, after the company put out um, some black and white shoes which she helped design that she said were not approved for sale and should have never been produced there were some players some NBA players that had worn the sneakers they were basically in tribute um, to both Kobe and Gianna Bryant Um, and she was really upset about this and you guys know that she decided that they would not continue the partnership between Nike um, and the Bryant family to continue making um, products for them and so there's just been this whole like it's been a weird back and forth or handling by Nike of how things have gone with kind of the Bryant estate and just kind of in Vanessa in particular um, since his passing and just what they were going to do um, with the various apparel. Like, I think that it it was a bad look for Nike to do any of this. I don't know why they would want even an ounce of the bad publicity that has come along with all of the things that they have done in, in this situation and not getting that deal done to try to, figure out in the first place how they would just keep his image kind of going and, and working within the company that has just been a weird situation and we'll kind of see how that goes um moving forward but for all of that nike has to be put on blast for that do better uh bill who are you putting on blast this i
1: week? mean you know i i'm going outside college football it's the packers brass and aaron Rodgers for <laughs> making me check this every day this summer it's been quite the soap opera. People have asked me a lot about it. You know, obviously I'm a Packers fan and and if I take my journalistic take is they'll probably figure something out where he plays this year because I think they would have traded him by now and I don't think it'll re- reach the Carson Palmer Bengals holdout stage, but with Aaron Rodgers you never know. Um the fan in me says get something done and, and I think Aaron Rodgers has probably got one year left in Green Bay. Yeah. And The window is still there. I think the Packers have done a lot. The Jordan Love pick set all this up. The Packers are not to blame. But the notion that Aaron Rodgers isn't to blame is patently absurd to me. They've had more than enough to win a Super Bowl the last couple years. I mean, he has – what else do you need? You have Devontae Adams. You have Aaron Jones. You have one of the best offensive lines in the game. You have a – it's not a – it's not a dominant defense but it's good enough in my opinion they've made signings but that Jordan Love pick really threw everything off and um hopefully they get over it I know you've got your Justin Fields jersey you're like no I don't (laughs) I want to see this implode but um you know it's it's just get something done before July 28th so I don't have to put up with this as I'm really getting into the college football reporting.
0: It's funny though because you know I've so thoroughly enjoyed this whole thing uh, as a Bears fan, and we actually basically did an episode on this where I had uh, Sparky Pfeiffer from uh, who hosts the Big Show up in Milwaukee on the show just to talk about that whole situation. Um, because I'm just loving this whole thing. I, you know, wish nothing but the worst for Green Bay. Um, <laughs> I want Aaron Rodgers to get traded. But the situation, just as a, and my the journalistic side of it, though, it's a weird situation to watch unfold, but one that is somewhat predictable given when they drafted Jordan Love and knowing how Aaron Rodgers is, you knew that at some point that was going to kind of blow up. It was just a matter of when. It got delayed because he then really bounced back from where he was at the point when right. they – after Jordan Lovin. that's what really threw the monkey wrench in the whole thing because now he's got even more confidence than he normally has to then say, what in the world are you guys doing? There's no reason that you should be pushing me out of here. Um, so we'll see. I think I, if I had to put money on it I would say that he does not play for them again. It's just my gut feeling. I don't know anything about the situation, like inside or anything like that. Um, It it just feels like he does not want to come back. But then these holdout situations happen across sports all the time, and the guys end up being back there, Um, especially especially big-time quarterbacks. It's just so rare for those guys to then just get moved off of their teams. You just don't see it very often because teams know how hard it is to replace that guy, even if you draft
1: him. When, when the story came around about the Jerry Krause comparison, I was like, oh, first man. of all, Jerry Krause won six titles, okay? Yeah. So let's not do that. And, and regardless of the relationship, we all watched The Last Dance. It was one of the coolest things ever um, to watch, but it's not the same situation here. It's something that in the NFL, I would say, and the quarterback will go before the GM, it's just a matter of how much time behind that the GM will be gone too right um like goodkins will not get fired before aaron rodgers you know what i mean I, I don't think that happens so and it sounds like the packers brass is pretty dug in as well so i know you're enjoying every second of it but i'm i'm <laughs> We'll we'll wait and see until the Bears actually beat them on the field. And I can't. When was the last time that happened, Greg? Or, or I, do we? I don't know, man. I got bad
0: signal in here. All of a sudden, I don't know what happened.
1: That, I think that <laughs> Trubisky, Trubisky got him the one time. Yeah, that one time he did. The one time. But I know I'm being a jerk. But no, I mean that's that's my blast, and and you know that's where I'm at, man. I'm just enjoying. The rest of the summer, I'm going to enjoy, you know, my, like I told you before I came on, my kids are on baseball diamonds and softball diamonds all over the place. I'm running around and it's just good to really lock in and write some good college football content. And hopefully I'll be able to see you in a press box this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely hoping, hoping for that. We'll be looking forward to it. Uh, but that'll do it for us. Thank you, Bill, for, for jumping on with me. I know it's a busy time for all of us. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review if you only leave four. I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure that you're checking out the other podcast on the Hail Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps Postgame Show, and the Hail Varsity Radio Show. Also, check out the Hail Varsity YouTube page. I'll be back on there answering you guys' Recruiting questions of the week. And um, you can also find us on Twitter at Greg Smith HB, and you can find Bill at BillBender92. Uh, thanks, and we'll catch you guys next time. Enjoy media production.